What's up, guys? This is Matt Rambo, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson. Kylie Omel are showing off those shifty skills. Driver driving hard down the alley, and he scores. What a goal from Josh Bird. Kayla Trainer fires to score. You're kidding me. By Dylan Ward. Gets topside. Rambo scores. Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network. Your go-to podcast for interviews with professional players, coaches, and executives, as well as the latest news and analysis from all three professional lacrosse leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Adam Moore and Hutton Jackson. What's up, Pro Lacrosse fans? Welcome to another edition of Pro Lacrosse Talk. I'm your host, Hutton Jackson, here with my co-host, Adam Moore. We have a lot to talk about today. We are previewing the PLL semifinals, which we will be in attendance for. We are recapping the NLL draft, specifically taking a focus on looking at the Americans that were taken. And we have an interview with Matt Rambo. So not too shabby of an episode for us. Um, Definitely appreciate Matt coming on the podcast and talking a little about last weekend in the Salt Lake City, as well as previewing this upcoming matchup with the Water Dogs in Philadelphia for us. Um, Obviously, he has a lot of history in Philadelphia being from there and a lot of moments he's made in Philadelphia, including that 2019 championship. So we'll get into that a little bit later. But as I mentioned, the NLL draft occurred last week. 90 players were taken through six rounds. And we had another member of Cornell Big Red selected first overall, following in his footsteps of his former teammate, Jeff Teat. Jonathan Donville was selected, the righty forward, by Panther City Lacrosse Club. He is actually transferred now to Maryland. So technically a Maryland Terrapin right now. He'll play one year, uh, his final year of eligibility there before actually joining the NLL, but he was taken first overall. Um, PCLC fans will have to wait, you know, a year to see him take the floor, but obviously a big pick for him. Um, He had in only two seasons in college, he's had 38 goals, 31 assists. So unfortunately, you know, they, their season was cut short uh, previous years. Um, So he's had a little bit of hiatus college game, but I'm sure he's uh, really excited to get out there with the Terps. Um, We're excited to see him take the floor eventually with the Panther city lacrosse club. Two other righty fours followed Donville uh, as the Georgia Swarm selected Ryan Lanchbury and the Buffalo Bandits selected Tohoka Nanticoke, uh, who Tohoka specifically has been linked to the NLL draft for quite a few years now. Many actually speculated that he could leave college early to enter the draft. And he actually opened up a little bit about that on Instagram, talking a little bit um, about depression that he suffered while he was uh, attending college, um, what his brother meant to him, um, and kind of his dream of playing in the NLL. And he actually plans on finishing out and getting his degree, uh, whether that'll be finishing at Albany or another school, we don't know, but good for him to actually, you know, finish what he started. And that's what he mentioned that he really wanted to get his college degree and prove to a lot of other players uh, that looked up to him, other younger players that, uh, you know, you can go to college and get a degree um, and then, you know, go in the NLL, which was obviously his dream. So nice to see him drafted after being linked for so long. This Buffalo Bandit squad is loaded. Um, they actually added another former Albany Great Dane mm-hmm. via trade in Connor Fields. So Connor Fields has been traded from the San Diego Seals to the Buffalo Bandits in exchange for that 13 overall pick, which the Seals used to select righty for Jacob Dunbar. So Connor Fields traded twice uh, this year so far, first from the Chaos to the Archers, now from the Seals to the Bandits. And ironically enough, a lot of his former Chaos teammates are on the Bandits. Yeah. So thoughts on this trade, Adam, and Connor Fields going back to his uh, home state eventually. Yeah, no, it's exciting to see uh, him rejoin a lot of his chaos teammates. It'll be interesting to see uh, how he fits in with that squad. They're, they're stacked, like you said. I mean, Chase Frazier, Dane Smith, 
Uh, the list goes on, plus adding to Hoka. They're going to be a ridiculously uh, talented on the offensive side of the ball. So really excited to see him uh, lace it up with uh, the Bandits and see see how they do come this season. Yeah, no, and I think him and Josh Burns' chemistry – um, you know, is still alive and well, obviously he didn't have a great bubble showing, but you know, again, that was such a vacuum for yeah. us. And I think it was, again, the field game is a little bit different. There's sometimes a little bit, he was asked to play a different role. Um, whereas box, you know, you have more lines, there's more opportunities to mix it up. So, um, yeah, I think he's going to fit in pretty well. And, uh, yeah, this bandits team is, is looking, uh, pretty, pretty solid going into the season. They obviously had a good year last year and they're obviously a little salty from losing in the championship two years ago. So I think they're going to be looking to come back. Uh, with a vengeance, but uh, we want to take a look at some of the other players drafted. We're going to spotlight some of the Americans because we are Americans. This is a U.S. podcast. You know, we love our Canadians and our friends up north, but I think we really see a lot of more U.S. box lacrosse players coming out of college and going to play in the NLL, which I think it's great for the sport. The NLL is obviously trying to promote the box game to the U.S., and uh, it's always great to see some fellow Americans drafted. Uh, Asher Nolting, was the highest to go. He's out of high point. He went to the Mammoth. I think this was a, an awesome pick by the Mammoth. Um, big body attackman, lefty, uh, kind of, you know, has Matt Rambo-esque playing style. Um, so it's kind of fitting that we have him on the podcast today. And he talks a little bit about his NLL journey too later. So we'll get to that a little bit later. But um, I thought that was a great pick by the Mammoth. And another one, Jack Hanna out of Denver, obviously uh, played really, really well on the collegiate box lacrosse series um, that just occurred with U.S. Box recently too. So he was taken 31st overall by Panther City. Um, so those are kind of two that stood out to me. But um, overall, there was a plethora of Americans taken. Um, I know one taken from around your backyard that you want to mention. Uh, but who are some of the, the few that you uh, saw that you think are going to you know make the jump and be successful in the NLL? Yeah, a couple guys that the Wings drafted, you know, always looking at what Philadelphia does and hit their first uh, American selection was Kobe Smith out of Towson. Love watching Kobe working all the Towson games on the sideline. He's a phenomenal player, really dominant on the defensive side of the ball. We'll be interested to see how his game transitions uh, to the box game. And another guy the Wings drafted, you know, we will talk to Matt Rambo in a little bit. Another Philly area guy, though, the Wings drafted was Matt Moore out of Virginia, obviously had a phenomenal year uh, for the Wahoos last year. Um, Similar to Matt was the number one uh, recruit going into college. um, And we'll see how his game can transition uh, to the indoor game as well. So, and then uh, another Maryland guy, Logan Wisnowskis had a phenomenal um, national championship game, scored five goals in that one. So uh, he was drafted by Colorado. So excited to see a couple guys make the jump uh, to the box game. Yeah, no, and uh, I think you see just a diversity of teams selecting American talent. You know, it's not just one or two teams that are, you know, really targeting Americans. Uh, you know, there's a lot of teams that did. And, you know, I think almost all of them at least got one American. And we're mentioning a lot of players that, you know, are going back to college for their final year. Um, you know, so these teams will retain their rights, but we'll have to wait a year for them to take the floor. One of those players, though, that I'm really actually kind of surprised wasn't taken last year. Um, that's already, you know, in the pros is Jeff Trainer out of UMass. So he obviously plays for the Archers and he was drafted by San Diego, 64th overall. So it'll be nice to see him make an immediate impact. And although he hasn't played too much with the Archers, I think his style, um, you know, as a two-way midfielder in the field game is going to fit really, really well in this box style. We saw some teams get multiple guys drafted. You know, some college programs had multiple guys drafted. You also had, you know, some D3 programs, uh, you know, RIT, another guy drafted so they continue to be a feeder 
for the box game um, and the field game as well. But uh, overall, yeah, I think it's great to see a lot more Americans um, getting a chance to uh, play at the next level, both in the field game as well as in the box game. So definitely enjoy the draft. Another great draft by the NLL. Um, So kudos to their team for putting that on. But as I mentioned, another American who's playing in the box game, another American who's playing the NLL is Matt Rambo. Um, obviously playing for his hometown, the Philadelphia Wings. We actually talked to him a little bit about his journey. So let's toss to our interview with him and hear what he had to say about both his time with the Whipsnakes and the Wings. Today on Pro Lacrosse Talk, we are joined by 2017 Torton winner, Whipsnakes attackman, Wings forward, and 2019 PLL MVP, Matt Rambo. Matt, you're fresh off another one-goal victory with the Redwoods, which saw you score the game winner. How are you feeling right now? Uh, I think we're feeling pretty good just to get that win out of our way. Um, you always have like that post game or postseason jitters going in. Everyone's a little nervous. Everyone's a little tight on the first uh, quarter. But, uh, you know, the Redwoods played a really good game and uh, we turned it on in the second half, how we knew how we should play. So uh, a couple guys made some big plays and I'm just proud and happy to be able to play in Philly in front of my hometown. Absolutely. And, you know, you're coming back from injury. Uh, you know, it's your third game back from injury. Talk a little bit about coming back from um, that hand injury you sustained and how you feeling now that you're kind of, you got three games under your belt. Right. Uh, I, I feel great. Um, you know, over the last, uh, you know, six weeks when I was injured with a broken hand, um, I got to be able to, you know, get in a better place uh, physically and better shape um, mentally just so. You know, I wasn't too down on myself. I lost support from a lot of family and friends. I kind of kept my injury hush-hush and kind of stayed away from social media about that part. But other than that, I, you know, other guys had to step up. Other people had to be leaders. Um, I'm proud how we played, and I'm happy that we made playoffs. And, um, you know, you, you get to the playoffs, anyone can win a game. You get in the postseason, you got to play a complete game or, you know, a really good game to be able to win and uh, to move on. So we're feeling good. I'm feeling good. And I'm just excited to see what's going to happen. And I can't wait for Sunday. Yeah, man, we can't wait either. And, you know, you mentioned headed home to Philly. You've, you've obviously had tons of success there before 2019, scoring that uh, game tying and game winner in the championship. Talk about that special moment, playing in front of the hometown crowd uh, and getting that dub. Uh, that, that was great. I had so many family and friends there. I got so many tickets to give away to my family and friends, mm-hmm. you know, programs I work with, high school, uh, Chestnut Hill, I got to yep. – uh, coach at so um, it, it was it was a really cool experience I lost in Philly so be able to win in Philly one time was unbelievable especially you know we were up so big and we were so confident going into halftime and then you know they started rolling back but for me to be able to have that winning goal to win my first pro championship in the first year of PLL was something special for me for coach Stagnita for everyone on the whip snakes and you know <laughs> you dream about that in your backyard playing you know, by yourself and you're pretending you're on a team or you're pretending you're a professional. So for that to happen was truly a dream come true. And talk to us a little bit about to that moment, because I talked to Eric Law last week and asked him when he scored his game winner with Denver, if he kind of blacked out or if he remembered it vividly and uh, kind of what was going through your head when that happened? Did you black out or did you like, do you remember like the moment uh, pretty vividly? Um, you know, I, I was pretty blacked out after that. Um, I remember the time, the, the time that went in the goal because we drew it up. It was after a timeout. Joe Walters just scored, and he's a chirp. So, um, you know, there's 20 seconds left. So we drew up a playoff. We got the time goal, but I had no idea how I won the game-winning goal. 
you know, after we celebrated my parents and, you know, the huge whip snake tailgate, the celebration, I went up to my dad. I was like, I don't even know how to score that goal. Mm-hmm. And we just pulled it up on my phone. So I didn't remember it. I see it all the time now. It still gives me chills. Uh, I, I'm happy that it happened. So, uh, yeah, I was pretty, you know, you don't know what's going on. Your adrenaline's rushing. I remember seeing Coach Tillman hugging Stag. So it was great. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, Coach Tillman. You obviously, you brought a championship to Maryland in 2017 after that long hiatus. Um, you got to win this Whip Snakes championship both in 2019 and 2020 with a lot of Maryland guys, some of your teammates, some alumni as well. Uh, talk about just that right. culture that's kind of carry over from, you know, being a Turpin now to being a Whip Snake. Yeah, uh, man, some of the guys on my team I played with, and we, they, so many of the guys, you know, they all lost championships. So um, to be able to win too with a lot of the guys, that I played with in college that didn't get to win and some guys before me that didn't win. Uh, I think it means so much to them and it means so much to us and our whole program. I, I think it helps, you know, recruiting wise as well to see all these pro Terps in the, in the professional league, just, you know, crushing it. So uh, we have a brotherhood at Maryland. It's not like a friendship. I can call anyone up and they will be there tomorrow. If I call coach Tillman up right now and say, Hey, I'm at, you know, ocean city, New Jersey, I'm, need some help or I need to talk to someone. Can you drive up here? He would hop in his car and drive up to me right now in the middle of the night. It's a special bond we have there. And it's something that you don't get to see too often. And I see so many people with that go to different college and they don't have the brotherhood that we have. And it's just a very special place. You know, you know, you're going through the process of recruiting and, you know, when you do make your decision, sometimes you're like, ah, it's just the right spot, but in my heart, I knew it was my right spot. So, you know, looking back at my four years, even if we didn't win a championship, it was the right spot by just seeing all the friends I made, the network and I have. I'm friends with so many Terps that are older than me in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s that I see on a daily basis. And it's like, we're just boys. And even though we didn't even know each other in college or growing up. So it's such a tight community we have, not just with the Maryland guys, but just in general, the lacrosse community, but uh, Maryland especially. And we have that be the best term and everyone kind of lives off that motto. And I'm just happy, you know, to be able to call myself a Terp because uh, I think we do the right things on and off the field and we do it with respect. Awesome. And looking ahead uh, to Sunday, obviously we're, we're really excited to see you hit the field. Talk about you guys preparing for the Water Dogs uh, and kind of, you know, this will be the first time you're playing them in your career. Yeah, playing them. Um, you know, we're going to go in this game, obviously fired up every time we game, we, we, we review films and we just should, we should have done so much stuff better. We're excited. I know a bunch of guys on that team. Um, they're hot right now. They're the number one seed. So they should be favored to win this game. And, you know, we got that, underdog mentality going on we got a chip on our shoulder um i'm excited to play them you know especially because i watch part of my take and or listen to part of my take and mm-hmm. i like the bar still guys a lot i like what they do and what they represent and i love the, how they love america and um you know that that's all what it's about and for them to promote the water dogs so for them and i never got to play them last year in the bubble or this year yet and uh they beat us pretty bad this year. They whooped yep. on us a couple of weeks ago. So we're going to go out there fired up, and I think we have a good game plan. But our game plan is not going to really switch how we usually play week to week. 
it's probably like repeating and repetitive now what I say, but we go out and we play our ball, we hit singles and that's, what's going to win games. It's not going to be us throwing a million skip passes and making miracle plays. You play the right game, you get the most ground balls and you hit your shots. Our defense is going to do what our defense does. And we trust them game in game out. That's what we're kind of built off. But for us offense, we're going to do what we can do to score and do our thing. And hopefully we can get it done. Yeah, no, I'm expecting a, a really close game. I think it's going to be a good one in Philadelphia. And, you know, we mentioned how you get to return to Philadelphia, you know, a few times in the PLL seasons, um, it seems like. But you actually get to play in Philadelphia on a pretty regular basis with the Wings. Now, you've been on hiatus for a little bit, um, unfortunately, and we'll get into that. But talk a little bit about, you know, getting your to start your NLL career with the Philadelphia Wings, a team that had gone away and came back to the Philadelphia area. Um, and how special is it that, you know, to play in front of that Philly crowd um, in the indoor game? Oh, man, the Philly crowd is great. I think they're the best fans ever. Uh, just kind of started my NLL career. I was drafted to um, the Blackwoods up in Connecticut. I kind of took a, a, a winter off just because I played so much lacrosse from college. Yes. It's like I just need a little break real quick. So me and Heacock went out to California. They kind of like a tech Cali tour for a couple months, a lot of clinics and uh, camps from like L.A. all the way down to San Diego. We had a lot of fun. And then one summer I was at my girlfriend's house and I got a call from Coach Day and Joe Carlini. He was our GM, our assistant GM. And I played with him on Duke. He was a Hopkins guy. And he called me. They were like, we draft you. You're going to play. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm going to play. Like, mm-hmm. it's my hometown. I grew up Amen. playing, mm-hmm. watching this. I, I watched Coach Rash. I watched Bergie and Iannucci, all these guys ball out game in, game out. That's my dream to play in my city in front of everyone. So, you know, they gave me a call when I was down the beach. I'm like, hey, you're Philadelphia wing. We got two lefties. You're the third one. You never play box. Figure it out. You're mm-hmm. going to be with Kevin Crowley, Blaze Reardon, and Jordan Hall. They live in Philly now. Blaze is moving in. You get with them every week, and you need to figure it out because you're playing no matter what. So I picked it up pretty fast. <clears throat> it took me like six games to kind of get the groove. And then after that, you know, I, I adapted to the box game pretty fast. And, um, I love it. It made my game go from like here all the way up, man. It, it made my game and the outdoor so much better from my vision to my body control, to my body feel pressure, to shooting, to feeding. And uh, I don't think I would be where I'm at today in the PLL without playing box. So I got to give a lot of props to, you know, those guys for helping me out. But, you know, Coach Day and the Wings are giving me a chance to, which is awesome, to dream come true. Yeah, talk about that shortened season. You guys were on a roll. You were eight and six when the hiatus, when the season was shut down. Talk about kind of expectations to get back out there and kind of for this new look squad coming into the season. Yeah, the shortened season sucked. It it, it was it was terrible. Yeah. We we felt like we were hot going into playoffs. We had a good groove. We have a great locker room. We're excited to go out there. We picked up a lot of new pieces. We've been talking since last year. We're starting our meetings already in the summer. And a couple of us, like me, myself, uh, Trevor, Blaze, you know, we'll hop on a lot of these calls now, but sometimes we got to miss them and we kind of give them the message. We'll be back, you know, when training camp and when the PLL is done. But we're excited. I think we're going to be really good. We're excited to play in the front of the crowd. Hopefully this uh, Delta COVID thing doesn't really mess up the season because, you know, I want more people to see box. I want more people to be exposed about it. 
And I think last year I was like, we need to do a bubble. Like when there was talks about a bubble, I'm like, if we can do a bubble and this is on TV for everyone to watch while no one's doing anything, this is going to grow the game so much more <clears throat> to show everyone how physical the game is, how hard the game is, how hard it is to score when a goalie's wearing all those pads and you have a sliver to shoot on and score and the skill set that these guys have. So for me, just to China, I think in the last two years, I think so many PLL guys are in uh, both leagues and they, they talk about the NLL so much. And I think it's going to be a great season. We're all excited to get back out there, but you know, our goal at the end of the year for the wings is to win a championship. And, you know, I definitely, I want one. That's what I definitely need to get before I retire. That's, that would be huge. Yeah, man. I think, you know, like when we were growing up, the wings were, you mentioned Bergy, Finn, you going to Finn camps and all that kind of stuff, right. you know, man, and it I, the, the fans love it. So uh, I think when you guys are putting a product out there that you're winning and the fans are going to come, man, it's going to be awesome. Finn, Finn, Finn's great. I, I have beers with him all the time. Nice. And um, in Philly, he texted me the other day, you run today, you want to go for a little run, you, you want to throw the ball around. He just texted me today. It was like, you know, when your practice are for the PLL so I can come by and watch and see that outdoor league. And I'm like, <clears throat> yeah, I, I can tell you when it's going to be. Yeah. So, you know, he he's very supportive. He's very, you know, one of the best ever to play for the Wings. He's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, uh, he, he's a diehard. So he, he's great. He's genuine. He's a great guy. Yeah, no, I think it's great, too, to have the Wings back because uh, I feel like, you know, they were the, you know, compared to other sports like the Yankees or, you know, the Lakers of their league and for them to go away for a hiatus, it was, you know, pretty disappointing. I know there was other circumstances around it, but I'm glad that the wings are back as an outsider, just because they're one of the best franchises in pro lacrosse history. So it's great to have them back for sure. Uh, We're going to move on to our five and five segment and uh, I'll start off with the lacrosse questions. Quick hitters, really. Um, but the first one I always ask is, what are some pregame routines or superstitions that you have? Oh, man, I was just talking about this. I definitely don't – I don't have a lot of pregame routines. I don't, like, wear the same shirt. I wear this bracelet. It's like a rosary on my wrist. My mm. grandma gave it to me. She gives it all to all the family members. And it's not like we're super religious or, you know, super Catholic or go to church every Sunday because we don't. But it's just something that we do and just gives us extra protection, she says. And, um, you know, I don't like to do anything. For me, pregame, I like to be loose. I'm not uptight. I'm not a guy that has my headphones on. I'm blasting, you know, heavy rock or, you know, rap or whatever. I let the DJs do these things. I think the looser you are, the better you play. You don't want to be going this game and you blow your steam too much in the locker room when you're not going to out there. So for me, I'm kind of laid back. I'm relaxed. I'm chill. I'm talking. But, you know, seeing me in a locker room and then seeing me on the field, I'm differently competitively and how my whole mindset kind of goes. Awesome. And uh, number two, what has been your favorite venue to play lacrosse at? I'm guessing it's probably in Philly, but there's quite a few that you have to choose from. So which one's been your favorite? Yeah, I mean, I'm biased on some of them. Like I love playing in Wells Fargo just because the wings, because they're packed house. Um, I love playing at where the union play where we're playing there because I won a championship. I like Gillette because we won the championship for Maryland. And, um, you know, when I played at Saskatchewan and indoor, that place was the craziest place with the most fans banging on the board. I thought that was amazing. And obviously I like playing a bunch of stuff. Like I like playing at Hopkins stadium, Mm -hmm. obviously bird stadium for Maryland's probably my all time favorite, just because I got to play every home game there. We have great fan base. I think we had the 
number one fan base last year, according to some NCAA lacrosse thing. But, you know, Bird Stadium, the stadiums that I won the championships, Saskatchewan, Homewood's always packed house. Um, you know, where there's a lot of fans, it kind of gets your adrenaline going up. So I always love those spots. I think Hofstra is great, too, playing in the quarterfinals. And Navy's a great playing in the quarterfinals. And there's so much history at Navy with all of um, you know, I, I'm a huge guy that loves our country. I love our service members. I love our military. I love everything about it. And playing Navy is something special as well. No, absolutely. My dad actually went to the Naval Academy. So always going there when I was a kid, like that—that that is one of the, the best venues. Just seeing all the the world, the wars that are wrapped around the the stadium too, I think it's really cool. Um, it's just a great environment. So PLL should get a game there. Yeah, for sure. And I think that'd be great too, you know, with the Chesapeake Bayhawks ties now, you know, with the merger, it'd be nice to get some of those fans out. I'm sure you guys have a great turnout. Absolutely. Number three, what is your current stick setup? We know you're an epic athlete. What are you rocking these days? I'm rocking an epic shaft. Um, They usually give me a customized one for the season with Mm -hmm. whip snake stuff or wing stuff or USA stuff, whatever team I'm on, or, you know, if I want to be creative, I can, you know, pick and choose what I want to do, you know, teal ones, red ones. That's always great because they're so helpful with me. And then I use a Z1 with Epic with kind of a lower pocket, but two shooters across with a nylon off top, put a little bag at the bottom. I don't, I like a big pocket with a little mm-hmm. bit of whip and I like it when it clicks off the plastic too. So I got my girls at Epic that uh, strung my sticks up for the last you know, two, three years, I just had this dude um, that works for the PLL, Lars, helped me out with my stick, and he does a great job, and he fixed one of my sticks up that was throwing bad, because I was using my gamer, this all black one with white and red ones, but it's got so warped and bendy, and the girls that strung my stick at Epic did a great job, but it just wasn't clicking, and I was like, Lars, you need to fix it. He fixed it, and that's been my gamer right now, and that was wizard strings. He dyed it up for me, but I get the, my people to string it. Nice. So, you know, I got a couple of people that will help me out and do stuff. I can't string anything. So <laughs> I need people to fix my stuff up. Yeah. I was never a good stringer either. And yeah, Lars is probably one of the best in the, the business. He's yeah. the sidewall Jedi for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Unreal. Number four, who's the funniest teammate. And that can be either on uh, whips or wings that you've had, or even Maryland days, if you have one from Maryland. The funniest teammate is probably Colin Heacock. He is so goddamn funny. He is hilarious. <laughs> Everything he says is so funny. Um, yeah, he, he's just a blast to be around all the time. Awesome. It's probably it was probably nice too having uh to see him on weekends too during the PLL this year as well, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it would have been nice having him on my squad, but it's nice to get to see with him after games before games, joke. It's good seeing him back every weekend. Absolutely. Number five, uh, if they made a PLL or NL video game, who do you say deserves to be on the cover? You know, that, that's pretty tough. I'm not going to say myself. <laughs> um, I think it goes different for indoor, and I think it goes to the guy who gets MVP. So if it was a video game for this year, it was Zed for getting the MVP mm-hmm. from the year before and um, Doby because he got the MVP before. So yeah. I think it just goes with, whoever was the MVP and whoever had a crazy year, just like the NFL does, uh, you know, if you're going to go back to the greats, I think, you know, if you're going to make a great game, you should probably throw like Gary Gate up there or as mm-hmm. the first one or something like that. Cause he's so good indoor and outdoor. So, you know, that wouldn't be a bad start to start off with a great like that. 
No, absolutely. All right. And I'll take the quick hitters for, for the off the field. So one favorite athlete in a different sport right now. Favorite athlete. I love Embiid. I think he's great. There we go. I think, uh, I, I think he, he's a beast. Um, I, I did love, you know, Floyd Mayweather. I love how he shit talks and that he can back stuff. Same with McGregor. Um, those, those guys are awesome. Um, I do love Randy Moss, Damian Thomason. They were always big, big guys that I, were on my top yeah. of my list. So, you know, they're, they're great. Um, you know, I'm more of a LeBron guy than a Jordan guy, but if I had to pick a basketball player, it'd be Kobe. Kobe's the man. I love Kobe and he's from Philly. And, and I, it's not because I'm biased. I just think his mentality is so crazy. Mm-hmm. And I hope there's like a, a doc on him really soon. I like a, like a MJ doc. I think that would be really awesome to see how he goes. And I think after, even after he died, I think seeing like how much of like, you know, the girl dad thing was going on was, yeah. was super special to see for a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. One B. Simmons just asked for a trade. What, what, what are we doing, man? He did ask for a trade, and I think we're like – I mean, I want to get rid of him. And when you When you're getting paid $177 million and you're scared to go up and lay up the ball because you don't want to get fouled, you got to get out of here. Yeah. Um, you know, mm. I'm like questioning you're getting paid this much money. I'm getting – I have to put the work in and I'm not even getting 1% or whatever yeah. it is of what you're getting, bro. And I'm out there working on my craft. Are you working on your free throws? Are you working on your three points? Cause like Shaquille O'Neal shoots a better free throw than yep. you, bro. You're shooting four for 15 in playoffs in the biggest game when we had a chance to win that whole thing. Cause yeah. we could have beat that. We could have beat the box. I'm like, this was the perfect time to win a championship this year. And we had a lot of pieces. Uh, so you got to question him, like, oh, how hard are you working? Do you really, you know, a lot of pitchers, he's always on cruises with, yep. you know, Kardashians and everything. Not like we don't party and do stuff, but it's like, let's go. You're trying yeah. to win a championship, bro. Yeah, yeah. It's Garbanzo Beans him saying the Philly fans are like, we were, we're behind him. We were behind him up until he asked for a trade. So we're behind yeah. him for three years. He said he's not even going to training camp. Don't go to training camp, then. Don't garbage, be a target. All right, we'll, we'll go more positive. People you would want to be around. So, yeah, I, we know you, you like to golf. If you could golf with any any anyone, who, who would a couple golfers be? Uh, Tiger, man. Okay. Tiger is smooth as can be. I think he has to be, and people probably don't agree, Tiger has to be up there with top three greatest athletes of all time. He's changed the game of golf, just like Michael did with basketball, I think. Yeah. I think he's in the same level. No one – you know, you look at like all time under par, whatever. It's like Tiger is so under par. No one else is under par ever. Close, yeah. Yeah. So it's like he's the greatest. Um, I think I would like to play with um, John Rahm. I got some. I got some hookups with Callaway this year. So I got a bunch of nice. free clubs and everything awesome. from Callaway. So. You know, I'm I'm on the Callaway gang right now, and I think Rom is pretty smooth. He's a thick boy. He only goes, he only has a half swing, and I only have a half swing. My my, my club doesn't go above my shoulders. <laughs> and then last, I mean, you got I, I think a lot of people know I like the party, so I gotta throw John Daly out there. there I go. love drinking <laughs> little John Daly's a little on a palmer with vodka in there. They're my they're the best. 
Yes, sir. That's good. Good. I was uh, actually at the the Masters. I wasn't able to actually. I was able to get in at the very end because I got a hookup like that. I made a connection with actually funny enough through lacrosse. But uh, when we were down there, originally weren't going to go in, and John Daly had this whole setup. It was a uh, old like auto center that was converted into a John Daly like barstool setup just for the week of the masters it was hilarious and i don't think he's even allowed in augusta national it was just right outside though (laughs) his son is like legit legit good too supposedly so we'll see what happens i was at the bmw classic when i was up at marple like two years ago and jeff it was right after uh jeffrey lore was like sitting next to us he was showing everyone his super bowl ring it was pretty awesome um yeah speaking of, of philly we have to ask favorite steak spot when you're home i love uh steve prince's steaks they got the long meat they got the you know i like the american cheese they got the american cheese that's dipping they just melt it on the top that's always a great one if i'm not going there i like you know joe's and and, uh, fish town i like jim's i stay away from gino's and pat's and tony luke's stuff like that so like steve's and jim's are great and joe's but yeah but i also been going to barclay primal and i get that 120 dollars cheesesteak all the time with a <laughs> bottle of champagne if i'm trying to celebrate something because that's always fun and you know it comes with a bottle of champagne but it's like wagyu beef truffle cheese truffle yeah, butter they make that bread that day or that actually like that hour it's it's literally the best thing i ever put in my mouth but i don't tell people about that because they're like oh you're too bougie for a cheesesteak <laughs> Good stuff. I love it. We did a competition of who could win the Athletes Unlimited, like pick the best team. And I, I lost. He was going to owe me crab cake, so I owe him cheesesteak. So yeah, I'm, I'm wondering <laughs> what he's going to pick. Well, now, now that Matt brought that up, that might be my choice, right? Yeah, so. I thought I was going to pay like five, six bucks. Now I might be shelling out 30. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. All for a good cause. Uh, and then my last one, any TV shows, movies you're watching right now? Uh I'm rewatching The Sopranos with my girlfriend right now. She never saw it, and I love The Sopranos. The Sopranos is great. Um, other than that, I've been trying to get into some TV shows. I was I was watching Ozark for a little bit. Um, it was just long and slow, and I wanted more action. But other than that, no. I mean, I've watched a bunch of TV shows: Entourage, The Office. Um, I think Peaky Blinders is one of the best TV shows I've watched. So. You know, I love TV shows. I I have a hard time watching them. I fall asleep real easy when I get into bed. So it's like a couch thing. So I need some recommendations. So if you have any, let me know. I don't know. If you like if you like Sopranos, I, I just I literally started that re-up re-up watching it yesterday. I can never get enough of Paulie. So he, he's my yeah. guy. I love watching Paulie. How far did you get through uh Ozark? Because uh I felt I the same the way that was season. Slow. Okay, because I got I got through the first. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to stick with this. And then once I got into the second, I really got hooked. So I think it's worth sticking around and trying it out again because season three gets pretty nuts. And I, I really All right, I'll try that again. You got you got, yeah. you got to watch Mary Easttown. Have you watched? Oh yeah, oh, I, I, I've watched that. Okay, I watched okay. that. that was that, my brother has a dog here and he named it Polly Walnuts. Yeah, <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> so, but it's a little it's a little like uh, King Cavalier. It's a little dog, so it's not even like that's hilarious. So I think it's black and white, so it kind of matches. Yeah, that's perfect. That's good stuff. That's funny. Uh, well, so, that wraps up our five and five. Our, our final question that I'll ask Matt is just what's some advice you have for a young player looking to one day play lacrosse professionally? I mean, I think you got to listen to a lot of coaches when it comes to, you know, any coach. And I just don't think it's like lacrosse coaches. And I think there's, you know, my dad's best friends here and he's my eighth grade football coach, Mr. Fetzer. 
and he's done so much for me from, you know, mentally preparing myself when I was in eighth grade in high school going through football or it's, you know, Coach Resch for the Archers. He was my high school coach, but Coach Leahy or Tillman or Stagnita. And I think a lot of people, you just got to like learn how to respect your coaches more and not get too offensive when they're trying to teach you and talk to you because, you know, if you don't have a hard coach on you, you're not going to, you're not going to succeed in life because they, they're they doing that because they love you. As a coach, I'm only going to yell at the guys that I love. If you're not going to listen to what I say, then I'm not going to coach you up anymore. Uh, you know, I probably will actually coach you up until you hate me, but, you know, listen and try and work on your craft and be coachable. And at the same time, you know, work hard. And, you know, I try to tell, I just bought a house in Florida. I'm going to move down to Florida and like my high school team, I was coaching at Pontevedra and we were pretty good. We were ranked 25th in the country for a while. And it's like, I always give an analogy, like you guys all want to be great, but like, how great do you want to be? You don't hear anyone that's ever great that never practiced. Like LeBron's in the gym 24-7. Michael was in the gym 24-7. Kobe, you know, Tom Brady, all these guys that are considered great that we got to see at, at my age. And they got to, you know, see LeBron and Tom Brady still going. You see how hard they work. And you never met someone that's like, oh, I'm one of the best ever by not working hard. You know what I mean? So yeah. I always tell kids – say the process listen to your coach work harder than you think you could work, work harder because there's someone's going to work harder and don't live with regrets so you know try it you know and, and keep going and uh you know my whole thing is you know go out don't live with regrets so keep pushing yourself harder because you never know where you're going to make yourself and you know you if you don't do it that day then one day you're going to look back and be like damn I should have worked harder you know, two years ago, instead of playing Fortnite or watching TikToks on my phone, I should have been out at the gym for an hour and a half and shooting for 45 minutes. It's two and a half hours of your day just working hard. Instead of playing video games or on your phone, then you're going to have regret looking back in your life, and you don't want that. Like, I had my dad today out on the beach, and he was telling me to run sprints, and we had, we started from 80 yards, and we worked all the way down to five yards. We did 80 to 40 to 25, 15, 10, 5. And he kept making me do it until I was about to throw up and it's playoff weeks. So I tell him to chill out, but uh, <laughs> you know, if I didn't do it and I had a bad game on Sunday, then I would be like, you know what? I regret myself, even though I'm down here with my family, I still have him on my ass, watching me out back on the pavement, telling me to, you know, to do 50 yard sprints and tell me to do, you know, 14 of them at, and then after I was like, I'm done. He was like, do two more. What if you have to go in overtime? So, you know, that's the stuff that I have other people, my brother, and you know, Blaze was here. He's my roommate. And I have other guys that push me as well. But you got to look, if I played bad on Sunday, I'm going to be like, shit, I didn't even prepare myself. And that's all me. And I don't want to let the team down. And that's how I look at it. Don't play for the, the name on the back of your jersey. Play for the name on the front. And that's why we want Maryland. We don't have our last name on our jersey because you're not playing for your last name. You're playing for Maryland up front. You're playing for your state. You're playing for your school. You're playing for your brothers. You're not playing for yourself. So that's the only advice I have. It's a little bit more serious, but that's what I got. And also to have some fun, too. You know, if you're going to play lacrosse, have some fun with it. You know, you might train hard, but then some days go out, play three on three with your buddies, play mini stick, go out and just toss the ball around in the, on the field and stand at 10 yards in the middle of that and rip the ball if you want to. You know, a lot of coaches like, oh, don't stand there and shoot from 10 yards down and smack the corner. Well, if you worked your butt off or 
you know, all week. And guess what? If you want to go out and have some fun and pick some corners and you go pick some corners. So you got to enjoy it, play with your buddies, make sure you're on team with your buddies. But then all thing, winning's fun and more than losing. Mm-hmm. No, I, I love that. I think that's some great advice, you know, both you know, to work hard, but also have a little bit of fun as well. But uh, certainly appreciate you coming on, Matt. Looking forward to seeing you in Philly. We're going to be there and uh, hopefully we'll be able to catch some wings games also this season too, when you're back on the floor, but best of luck. Welcome back to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network. All right, so welcome back. We appreciate Matt hopping on, talking a little bit about his time with the Wings, talking a little bit about Whip Snakes, talking about returning to Philly. So without further ado, let's talk about this Water Dogs Whip Snakes matchup in Philly. Adam, I know you, the dogs have a special place in your heart, um, but we also like the whips here and there too, but you know, maybe we want to see it mixed up in a little bit. I mean, we're going to be a little biased just because we hold future tickets for the water dogs, but what do you like in this matchup and, uh, how do you think it's going to play out in Philly? Yeah, I'm really excited uh, to see this one. Obviously, uh, the dogs pulled out the victory earlier in the season against the whips 11, six, but that was when Matt, uh, after Matt had been injured already. So I uh, didn't have, uh, Matt in that one. So obviously we talked ad nauseum in previous pods about how Matt is truly uh, the key to that offense go, going and uh, without him uh, it, it was difficult for for that offense to to run so uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how having Matt on the field again for the whips will affect uh, this really strong water dogs defense right uh, in that game also Dylan Ward had a fantastic run as well um, he had 19 saves in that one against the whips so um, he'll obviously be uh, a major factor when it comes to the, the outcome of this game. And uh, to date, we still don't know who's starting cage for the whips, right? So um, obviously uh, Brian Phipps took over for Kyle Burnlore in the quarterfinals in that second half and, and got the, the whips that victory. So um, if I was a betting man, I'd say Burnlore's back in cage. Got them two championships already. He should, he probably uh, will be back starting. But um, you know it's win or go home. So uh, if Coach Staggs thinks Brian Phipps gives them the best uh, chance of winning, I could definitely see uh, Phipps uh, in cage for the whips. Yeah, no, and you know I made the case for Phipps last episode. So if you guys haven't listened to our last episode, go ahead and check that out. But uh, yeah, no, I think it's it's tough. You know when you're entering a semifinal matchup to have question marks uh, in cage, like that's definitely the last thing you want. Um, and the other thing, you know, area that the water dogs really dominated the whips in the last game was at the stripe. Um, they went 74%. So Jake Withers and his wing play, uh, dominated Joe Nardella and his wing play. And, you know, we're used to seeing these, both these teams dominate both, you know, wing play as well as just on the clamp as well. So, um, Jake Withers is one of the best to win the ground ball battle, even after losing the clamp. And Jen Ardella is also up there in, in that as well. Um, but overall, like, I think this is going to be another dog fight. I don't think it's going to be as lopsided this time around. I think, you know, Joe Nardella shows up in the biggest moments and I think it's going to be an aggressive ground ball battle. Um, and then, you know, you got the, ba- the, the edge of having Rambo back a little bit too, is why I'm expecting it to be, you know, a one goal game um, depending, you know, regardless of the outcome, I think it's going to be close. So definitely going to be interesting. I think the water dogs, you know, probably have played the whip snakes the best obviously the chrome beat up on them early on archers have had some close games with them as have the redwoods but um overall i think you know we've never seen a team like the whip snakes get dominated like quite like the water dogs did um again like i said the chrome kind of 
had them there too, but the Whipsticks also had a lot of injuries and they were also on their second game of the weekend. So that one is a little bit different case in my book. I think this Water Dogs Whipsticks matchup that the first one of this year uh, is definitely the one that um, I think proved the Whipsticks do have some weaknesses. So I don't know any more thoughts on this game and um, any more, you know, X factors in this game that you're looking to watch out for. Yeah. Sure. And, you know, like in that last game, as much as the final score says they 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 dominated, it was the mainly that third quarter that that they outscored the whip seven to nothing in that third quarter coming out of half. So, um, you know, that that's something to certainly take note. I think it's going to be a close one. We haven't talked about Gutty yet. He he wasn't on the, the whips the last time the water dog suited up as well. So um, there's just a lot of X factors. And I'm I'm really, really excited uh, to see this matchup. Right. Just because of the 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 strength on the offensive side of the ball for the whips and how strong the defensive uh how strong the defense has been uh for the water dogs this season so um this is my of the two this is the matchup i'm most excited to watch you know absolutely and we mentioned some play between the lines and you know zach courier is quietly having an mvp caliber season he has 22 points uh 11 assists 51 ground balls he's six in the league in ground balls and the five people in front of him are all face off (laughs) players so i think it's pretty amazing what he's been able to do and you know that's nothing new that's the zach curry we've known and loved i give enough love to zach courier on 95 percent of our pods i figured I'd, I'd let you chat uh, about one of the best players in the world yeah i gotta give courier some love i know yeah it is usually your forte but uh we will talk ad nauseum about him and his mvp um candidacy next week when we talk about our picks for mvp and the rest of the plo awards but uh yeah, you know, I, I think the this Water Dogs team um, has a chance to really put on a, a special um, run, you know, after, uh, you know, then I think the biggest question for them is going to be is it rest versus rust. You know, we talked about that a little bit on the Bet on Lacrosse podcast. We talk about that, you know, in other pro sports, um, and they've had a pretty big layover. Obviously, they got the first round by, but it was really a two-week by at this point. So um, are they going to be well-rested and, you know, fresh, to, ready to go, or is it going to be a little bit of sluggishness from having not played with each other in two weeks. Uh, we'll see. I think there's been so many buys packed into this season that teams are kind of used to that by now that I don't think it's going to affect them too badly. I think, you know, we're going to get a water dogs team that is ready to go. And, you know, you could argue the whip snakes are just had essentially a, a bye week as well. So I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference. Um, I think it's going to help them just because they've been able to, you know, stay healthy, stay off their feet a little bit. Um, and really not, you know, put their body through so much the past two weeks. So uh, we'll certainly be looking, you know, to see what happens in this matchup. Um, and this will be the second matchup of the day, whereas the first matchup will be Chaos Atlas, whereas Atlas beat them 16 to 10. The last matchup, that was actually before the All-Star break, though. So it's been quite some time. But Adam, Chaos, keep surprising people. I mean, we probably shouldn't have been as surprised last week because, they beat an Archer's team that they've gone five and one now against. So yeah. uh, maybe shouldn't have been as shocked, but uh, what do you think of this chaos team? Can they pull off another upset, you know, or uh, is Atlas going to again, continue to just prove to be a team of destiny in this playoffs? Yeah, it, it, it's pretty interesting, right? That they always joke, don't let the cast get hot and they're hot right now. And, and following that quarterfinal win, uh, coach towers said, uh they're feeling dangerous right so i i expect this to to be a good one i if you're asking me who who i'm taking i'm taking the atlas still um you know they they are other than that first game of the season they really were uh, a model of consistency for a majority of the year right they they were strong uh, on all sides uh, of the ball and i think uh just in terms of consistency and and 
overall play. Uh, I think the Atlas are, are going to pull this one out. I think they have they have all the tools to to do so. Um, when Jack and Cannon went down, that was a question mark. But JD Calaruso um, has been playing well in, in cage for them, replacing uh, Jack. So um, they're strong on the defensive side of the ball, offensive side of the ball. I'm ecstatic to see Jeff T in, in playoff form. So excited uh, to watch more Tucked Caraway, Jeff T. So looking forward uh, to this matchup as well. But I, I think uh, if you're asking me now, I'm taking Atlas in this one. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm taking Atlas as well. I kind of agree with you on they're the most well-rounded team. I think they're also the offense that could throw the most at this chaos defense that likes to play out, that likes to make you beat them one-on-one and then get stopped by Blaze. You know, that's kind of they live or die by Blaze, um, essentially. So I, I like the Atlas too because they have a lot of different weapons on offense. And Jeff Teat's perfectly content if, you know, he draws the Jack Rowlett matchup of kind of, letting them play five on five, you know, or being more of a facilitator or, uh, you know, backdooring people and scoring goals. I don't know. There's just so many ways that Rubio can throw um, at this chaos defense that I think it's going to be a little bit more challenging. Um, but, you know, we saw this chaos defense play really, really well against the archers and kind of made them look like a, a subpar team, um, you know, just on offense in that fourth quarter, they just didn't really know what they were trying to do. They were kind of standing around a lot, but I think if the Atlas continue to play their motion offense, things are going to be all right. I think they're going to be just fine. Um, and I think though it's going to come down to a lot of it is the, the play at the stripe where Max Adler yeah. got hot last week. He played really, really well. He's had really good games against Trevor Baptiste, some of his best games against Trevor Baptiste. So, um, you know, are we going to get another matchup kind of like we saw earlier this season? Or are we going to get another matchup between these two, um, you know, years prior in the MLL? We'll have to wait and see, but I think that's an interesting storyline. I think Adler can maybe neutralize Baptiste a little bit more, um, and maybe not necessarily give chaos the edge, but make it less of an advantage for the Atlas to play, make it, take it. So that's definitely going to be interesting to me. And, uh, you know, seeing how this Atlas team plays against this chaos defense, this Atlas team has obviously played really, really well. JD Calaruso has been playing well in that, you know, right now, this is his, his cage. Um, you know, even if Jack and Ken comes back, I think Ken is going to be in a backup role because JD has played so well in Ken's absence. So I think, you know, we're going to see another great game from him, hopefully, um, but overall, yeah, I think this is going to be a great matchup because I think both teams, you know, do have strengths at every position, um, you know, and as I mentioned, I, I think Baptiste has been lights out so far, even against Adler earlier this year, but um, Max Adler seemed to return to form last, last week against the Archers, so definitely going to monitor, you know, that battle at the stripe, and it's going to come down to wing play as well, I think. But, um, you know, o- overall, I think this is going to be another close matchup. I would be surprised if any team this weekend wins by more than three goals. I, I think it's going to be a one to two goal game um, in both these matchups. But as for our game picks, as I mentioned, a lot of Atlas loves. So I'm picking the Atlas in their matchup against the Chaos. And then I'm picking the Whip Snakes to technically upset the Water Dogs. Uh, if you look on DraftKings, uh, Water Dogs are actually the underdogs. So depending on where you look, Caesars has whip snakes, underdogs, water dogs are underdogs on DraftKings and most other sports books. But in the, you know, grand scheme of things, seating wise, the water dogs are favored. So I like the whip snakes to upset them. Um, I like the Atlas and uh, I'm expecting a uh, Trevor Baptiste, Matt Rambo uh, mm-hmm. championship uh, Atlas versus whip snakes, not as many Hopkins versus Maryland uh, ties anymore. Um, obviously more Maryland ties on the whip snakes still, but this rivalry it's still an Atlas whip snakes rivalry. It was a close game earlier this year. So I, I like that to be the matchup in the finals. 
Yeah, and I'm taking the Atlas, as I mentioned as well, but I, I'm going dogs in this one. I think the dogs will have their day uh, come Philly uh, when, when they suit up uh, in Philly on Sunday. They are the water dogs for a reason. So uh, I'm going dogs in this one to take on uh, the, the Bulls uh, in D.C. in a couple weeks. Yeah, no, we will be in D.C. to witness uh, the championship as well. Looking forward to that. I'll be playing in the Sixes tournament. Mm-hmm. I'll probably get torched. I'll probably be really sore the next day and regretting it. But I also am really excited to just suit up and play some lacrosse. It's been a little while for me, um, too long for me. But uh, yes, yeah, certainly looking forward to see these matchups sooner in Philly. Um, and then we'll get to D.C. in two weeks after that. Um, you know, could be Water Dogs. Atlas could be Whipsnakes Atlas. Uh, we could see Waterdogs Chaos in the Dylan Ward revenge game uh, part two. So that's another matchup that we're looking forward to potentially seeing as well. Um, but yeah, definitely looking forward to uh, our time in Philly. Uh, I owe you some yeah. cheesesteaks, obviously. And unfortunately, Rambo probably gave you some bad ideas in terms mm-hmm. of pricing. Um, mm-hmm. So unfortunately, I might be shelling out a little bit more for this cheesesteak than I anticipated. I'm thirsty, but... man. That's your thing. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's what I get. That's the price for losing in any competition. Well, so. and, and, and you mentioned losing before, before we finish up, I, I just want to want to mention with, with my championship selection, the dogs and the Atlas, uh, they may have lost a lot last year, right? The, the, uh, from a, uh, wins pers- from a standings perspective, uh, the last two teams in the bubble. So two of the biggest season turnarounds, right? I know it was just the bubble last year, so it's a small sample size, but uh, the last two teams in the standings could be uh, in DC next week come championship time. So uh, it shows the parity in the league, shows uh, what an off season can do for a squad. A couple of changes, tweaks here and there uh, can make all the difference. Yeah, no, and I think these two teams have had the most intentional roster turnover yeah. um, of any in the league. You know, you look at a team like the Chrome has had a lot of roster turnover due to injuries, but overall, I think the Water Dogs and the Atlas both made the most moves in the offseason um, to shape these teams. So, yeah, certainly, uh, yeah, I think a, a definitely a storyline to look out for there, too. And, you know, Michael Sowers is another Philly guy that we don't really know his status just yet. We might know it come time this podcast is released, uh, so we'll be checking the injury report definitely. Um, coming up but uh you know he might be making his return from injury in philly and he would be another x X factor for this uh water dogs team so certainly looking forward to seeing if he does get to have a philly homecoming as well but that wraps up another episode from us like we mentioned we're going to talk mvp and the rest of these pll awards next week obviously going to recap our action in philly uh, but definitely looking forward to getting on the ground in philly so if you guys see us we'll be wearing lacrosse playground t-shirts definitely say hi come up to us we'll talk with you and uh, definitely looking forward to watching these games so without further ado that wraps up another episode of pro lacrosse talk we again appreciate matt rambo coming on and we appreciate you guys as listeners always tuning in to another episode of pro lacrosse talk <laughs>